Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Home Church Podcast. My name is Maddie Phillips, and I serve as the creative director here at Home Church. And guys, we're just so excited about the response that we've been getting early on as we just launched the podcast a couple weeks ago. We've heard from pastors in the area. We've heard from people that attend our church. We've heard from people outside the church. And we're just so glad that you're along on this ride with us. Um, And we want to ask that if you haven't already, uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever platform you're listening on, because it really does help us out. So today I'm here again with Pastor Kenny. Hey, how are you? Hey, friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm awesome. so glad we get to sit down and do this yeah, again. Yeah, it's good. Um, and today's podcast is going to get a little spicy. It's it's sure to ruffle some feathers and be a little bit controversial. Yeah. You know, we uh, just a couple episodes in and we thought, you know what? It's time to go ahead and wade into the deep water here a little bit. And uh, yeah, it might be a little spicy, a little controversial. Mm. Um but uh, it's okay. It's a worthy conversation that needs to be had. Absolutely. And we said, you know, straight out the gate that one of our values is to say the quiet part out loud. Yeah. And so I think that that, that we're doing oh, that today. Oh boy. We're going to do it today. So we're going to jump right in. Um, many of us have witnessed or at least heard about a pastor being fired, right? Uh, statistics tell us that on average, 1,500 pastors in America are fired each week. So that's every seven days. And in many instances, this is a very messy and angry process. And it usually results in a group of sheep without a shepherd and a shepherd with no sheep. And ultimately the witness of the bride of Christ, which is the church hindered in so many areas. And so the title for today's episode is the sheep can't fire the shepherd. And Kenny, I want to ask you what prompted you to want to talk about this? Yeah. Well, before I go really any further, um, someone's going to see that title that the sheep can't fire the shepherd and they're already going to be upset before even listening to any of this. And so uh, let me just say from the very jump with um, 100% clarity, uh, there is and should be uh, the accountability for a pastor um, to be held accountable. And also if appropriate, um, if he disqualifies himself to be removed or to be fired. So uh, I just want to say that from the jump Mm -hmm. that they're absolutely needs to be accountability for uh, men of God uh, to lead. Um, But the problem is, is that um, we've heard of these stories way too often uh, where the sheep are are firing the shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is a huge problem. I hear it all the time. I've seen it happen in my past. Like you said, man, it's it's just happening all over. And so here's kind of how this comes about. Right. So um, a pastor is leading in his local church, could be a small church, could be a bigger church. And uh, he's out there and he's he's trying to lead and to teach. And he might say something uh, a little controversial. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes, it's usually him just teaching truth and saying it uh, in a way that maybe just steps on some people's toes, ruffles some feathers. Uh, And then all of a sudden you got the wrong person who doesn't like it, who gets upset and um, they start rallying around other people and talking and gossiping. And can you believe he said that? And we, that's not what we believe. And, um, and the next thing you know, they're, they're all rallied together and they call an emergency meeting and this pastor is out of a job. Mm-hmm. Um, or oftentimes what happens is uh, a pastor is leading through change 
And uh, as change is, is developing, people don't like it. And they see something or hear something that they don't want to see changed. Um, and they fall into a place where they just get so angry, so upset especially when what they want to see done isn't done. And this typically happens between uh, someone who's most influential in the church or someone who gives the most. Right. And they, again, go and uh, they voice their concerns. They make an issue. They rally people around and uh, they work to, in essence, get the pastor pushed out. And here's what's, I think, so devastating and upsetting about this is most often it is not because the pastor has disqualified himself. It's most often over people's preferences. Mm. It's most often because someone got upset about something and they can't actually deal with it and handle it and have a, a, an adult conversation. And they utilize their influence. They utilize their money. They utilize their power that is um, traditionally now in the American church has been put in the hands of the congregation and the sheep get together and they fire their shepherd. Mm. Um, and, you know, and so here's the thing. This whole conversation today is I know is going to upset some people. Um, I, even in, in working to prepare for this and because this has been a concept and an idea that's been in my head and my heart for a while, cause I've seen difficult things happen in my past. I've seen recently someone, uh, very close to me that this situation has happened to as well. And this is just one of those things where I felt like, man, like someone has to speak up and, mm. and speak to this. And so this is for sure. One of those things where I'm going to say the quiet parts out loud, the things that most people don't say, the most thing, the things that people usually don't don't want to admit to are, that are happening behind the scenes of the church. Um, and, and so we're just, we're just going to have to talk about those things. We said last week that we want to have authentic conversations. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have this conversation uh, about this. And, and even in my study, Maddie, you know, it was interesting and, and it kind of, it made me sick. I was studying, I was researching, I'm out there looking for, you know, articles and blogs and interviews and all this kind of stuff. And there's nothing out there that talks about how do we help take care of and uh, minister to and resolve conflicts between a congregation and their pastor. But there is blog after blog, article after article, uh, commentary after commentary for how to fire your pastor. Mm. And man, so like for me, there's just so much content and information out there about how to do this the wrong way right. that um, I felt like we just needed to speak to it. Yeah, absolutely. So Okay, let's let's start here. How did we get here? So last week we had a conversation with Pastor Jordan from Pursuit Church, and it was incredible. It was about building the kingdom through partnership, about brotherhood, about pastoring in the same town. So how does talking about a problem in the church and calling out churches who have done this and operate in this way bring about hope? Because we say that we're a house of hope. So yeah. how is this conversation going to bring hope? Yeah, you know— um, so last week was so hopeful, right? right? So encouraging at the beautiful side of the bride. Yeah. Um, but there are some realities to the underbelly of the bride that we sometimes we just have to deal with and address. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I think real change happens when there is a voice in the wilderness calling out and calling people to truth and to repentance. And because I, I think that brings life. This is what we see throughout scripture where there are people who were call a voice in the wilderness, right? Calling out and but calling people to repentance, calling people to truth. And they were not received very well. Um, 
John the Baptist was beheaded for right. <laughs> telling people that to repent and pretty to turn. Pretty early on, too. Pretty early on, and and he called people out by name. Now, um, we're not going to necessarily do that today. We're not sure. going to say ABC Church and no. you know this this name of a pastor and things like that. We we do want to still carry a level of honor in that way, but we do need to talk about the idea and the concept and how it uh, how it how it functions. And so uh, I believe that there's been just much harm. Uh, and hurt that's been done to people and to the bride of Christ because of this situation. And so because of that, I think talking about it brings it to life. I think it addresses some of these things. And I pray that the Spirit will intervene and, and speak to people who are maybe walking through this. And maybe it will encourage pastors. Maybe it will uh, encourage people who are part of a congregation that maybe are operating in this way. And so the hope for me is that speaking about it will, will bring about potential change and at least have people engage in the dialogue of this rather than just doing what we've been doing for a hundred years. Um, and so in, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? No, no. Okay. All right. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you. You're so, fine. Um, you know, in our culture, I mean, it's just a growing trend. Sure. Um, and it's even more public these days, um, how this is happening. And so for me, it's just something that I feel like we need to address. And I think we can talk about in a loving way. Um, but I think it also, when we dive into it, I think it can bring hope. Um, and so we can find hope in difficult conversations. And my hope is that we do that today. Absolutely. Thanks for that. So let's move forward with this. Why do you think is it so common that pastors are fired? Why is it so common for us to hear about the sheep being the ones to fire their shepherd? Well, it starts with bad church polity. Yeah. Right. So polity is, um, and you know this, but polity for kind of the, the lay, the lay person out there is really governance. Sure. This is the way that the church is governed. Right. And so the truth is, is that there's a lot of bad church polity out there. Mm -hmm. Some of that is brought on by denominations. Some of that is brought on, um, by folks who just, you know, they started a church and, and a couple of families were uh, leading the thing. And the next thing you know, 100 years later, the same families are, are running it's the tradition. thing. And yeah, it, it turns into a lot of tradition. And so for me, the way that I see scripture and the way that I think the Bible lays out church polity or church governance is that scripture gives us some roles that are meant to be filled and meant to be carried out in uh, in the church, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we Paul gives us the idea of overseer or bishop, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so these are, for us uh, at home church, these are actually people who are outside of our church. This was Paul. Yeah, right. Paul was uh, overseeing pastors and churches that he wasn't a part of. Right. He would go and visit. He would spend time with them. He would engage with them. Um, but he would write letters to them. He was helping oversee them from outside. Uh, and then next are elders. Now, um, elders is also, when we see in Scripture, we see elder. We should take the, the name pastor or shepherd. All three of those things are, are really the same role. Uh, elders, pastors, shepherds, all, all the same role. And they are inside of the church. And we have qualifications that, that are laid out in scripture, uh, in several places. First Timothy, uh, we have it in Titus. Um, and so we have clear laid out definitions of what an overseer is, an elder, a pastor. Uh, we, we know what scripture says qualifies, um, those men to lead. And also vis-a-vis, -vis, we know what disqualifies them in those ways. Right? Sure. So let me, let me interject for a second yeah. and ask you about deacons because the role of deacon is so 
critical to a lot of churches, especially churches that have been founded on tradition. Um, and these people are essentially helping run the church. So yeah. where do they fit in? Yeah, good point. So, you know, the a deacon's role in the church, biblically laid out, is actually meant to be a, a, a place of service. Mm. So the, the idea that we have is we have the, uh, the disciples who are also apostles. Um, they are busy um, doing the work of the ministry and teaching the word. This, we find this in Acts. And then they had this realization that they were slowing down the ministry of the word by taking care of people and serving tables. Mm. So in that moment, they said, hey, man, we got to find some really trustworthy people who we can give some authority to to continue to serve while we carry on with the ministry of the word. Both are important, but we know what we're called to, and we're called to the ministry of the word, but the work of the ministry still needs to be done. And so uh, really that's what a deacon's role is. Now, again, we find, especially in Southern churches, we find deacons who are running the church. Yeah. And biblically, it just ain't there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not there. And so I think part of it is maybe some... Um, uh, a little bit of minutia around language. Um, but really what I think would be helpful in church polity is to um, faithfully and biblically describe a title uh, based on qualifications and appoint men and women mm-hmm. into the right roles with the right responsibilities and the right understanding of their place and their authority in the church uh, and, and of the church so that now all of a sudden we have a really linear understanding across the scope of the big C church for what these roles are. Right. So, um, you know, I'll give you a quick, for instance, right. So, um, right now, if you were to, uh, call someone a bishop, well, I mean, we don't, we don't have a bishop at home church, right? Right. (laughs) If someone called me bishop, I wouldn't even know what to say to that. But in a lot of places, like that's a, that's a title and a role. Sure. Um, apostle, you know, deacons, uh, all these different things, even pastors, right? So some churches will call them elders. Some churches will call them pastors um, to really understand uh, and gain clarity over exactly what that means and what that looks like, I think would be helpful in some of this conversation. Um, And so for me, like, this is just one of those things that I think creates part of the problem. Uh, There is just this rampant issue where we have people who are leading in roles that uh, should they shouldn't be in, sure. <laughs> and um, and so the church polity piece is is cr- I think creating much of the issue here because if we had proper church polity, proper church governance, uh, then we would understand that these roles are appointed, these roles are are given a by God, uh, and b by the authority that God has placed in people's lives. That then we would not need for a congregation to step in and to lead the shepherd. Right. Um, I think we could, we can get away from some of those things if we had proper church polity. Yeah, definitely. So an outside of the church view of this conversation would say something along the lines of with a literal shepherd and sheep, the sheep can run away from the shepherd, but we've never heard of a flock of sheep banding together to get rid of their shepherd. Right. So they're literally dependent on him for guidance, for nourishment. I mean, I think of Psalm 23, like being led beside like still waters and green pastures. So knowing that they are dependent on him, they need him. Why, why would they go to these links to rally together to get rid of him? Power. Yeah. Preference. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, so, uh, you know, uh, now listen, 
again, I'll go back to the very beginning. Are there times when someone has disqualified themselves and need to be removed? Yeah. Man, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'll share, actually share a, a story personally um, where walk through that and, and it was done right, okay? Um, but to me, like, that's kind of the point, right? So even in the naturalistic way, um, you know, the idea, even the, the mental image of sheep banding together to, like, run their shepherd off the, off the side of the hill is like, well, that, that wouldn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, uh, you know, Scripture clearly helps us understand that, that, that God, our father is the ultimate good shepherd. Yes. But just like David, David was actually an under shepherd. So, so, you know, Jesse, his father is, is a shepherd. David's an under shepherd. And then there were actually under shepherds, uh, probably younger people and even females who would be under shepherds right. under him. That's what we are as pastors. We're just an under shepherd. Yeah. Um, God's placed calling and gifting on our life and, and authority in our life to lead his people. Um, and so no more, no less. Right. Um, and so in that it's important, but one of the things that I think most people miss with the role of a pastor is the weight. Yeah. You know, so last week we were talking with pastor Jordan and, and I was talking about why we care so much to spend time with other pastors because the weight that, um, these men carry, most people don't truly get it. Absolutely. You know, there's this old adage and the old joke that, you know, a pastor only works a half day once a week and the rest of the time he's playing golf. And mm-hmm. man, it's just, you know, it could not be further from the truth. Right. Um, the amount of work and time and effort and energy sacrifice that these, uh, these people put in. Most people don't understand the weight of that and uh, because they've never sat in that seat. And so, um, so here's kind of what I... I I wanted to like bring up in this conversation is that um, the responsibility that um, men of God, pastors carry, most people don't understand is actually laid out in scripture in a really clear way that to me is, um, man, it just, it brings a lot of conviction and weight to my heart. Mm -hmm. So let me just read this to you, Maddie. This is in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, in verse seven through 10, here's what it says. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, right? So, so this is, this is the writer of Hebrews talking to, to these people saying, Hey, you, you need to remember your pastors. You need to remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So he's saying like how these men, how these women lead their lives, you should consider that. And ultimately, you should imitate their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes on in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, well, that, yes. Right. But, Why is it there? Yeah, right. Um, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Right? So, so now we're getting to it. It's like, okay, so listen, you have leaders who are going to teach God's word to you. And um, hopefully they're living a life worth imitating. But this Jesus that we love has not changed. Right. And so because of that, I need you to know, there's going to be some strange people who come along and teach some strange things, right? You need mm-hmm. to be aware. Um, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not only by eating, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. It's like, wait, so what the heck are we talking about here, right? So um, this writer in Hebrews is kind of giving us this, this understanding that, listen, there are going to be uh, pastors and leaders who mess it up. Absolutely. Right? That are 
uh, say they're living a life of faith and, and say, you know, come follow me. And yet they, they actually have no right to be in the place that they're holding. They are doing things that they should not do. Um, and so, and, and so like, this is important. So there's clearly a wrong way mm-hmm. that scripture is trying to, to teach us and help us understand. But then it goes on and it, it skips down a little bit down to, um, to verse 17, but it says this, because it's now, now we're juxtaposing and it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. So already we've, we've had this warning, right? We've had this warning about what it doesn't look like yet. At the same time, even with the warning, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, you still got to have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Watch this because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Mm. Wow. That's deep. That like just is like a a ton of bricks on the shoulder of a man who carries that weight. Mm-hmm. Knowing that one day I'm going to not only give an account for pe- to people because of the way I live my life and having to deal with them on the daily basis and leading them, leading the, the institution of the church and caring for them. But I'm also going to stand accountable in front of God Almighty one day for these people and the way that I've led them and the way that I've cared for them. Right. It goes on to say, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Mm -hmm. There is a weight to this calling that most people don't understand. And in a lot of ways, you know, I tell people, um, you know, you're, you're married to Grayson and one day you're going to stand accountable, um, in front of God. But the thing is, is that you're not going to stand accountable for the things Grayson did. Right. You're going to stand accountable to God for the things that you did. Mm -hmm. But as a pastor, as a leader, God's word is actually saying, when I stand, I'm not only going to stand accountable for what I did. I'm also going to stand accountable for the way that I led and taught and cared for and, and pastored people. Right. Man, listen, you ain't called to this. Don't get in it because the weight is heavy. But I think most people don't understand that. And so because of our personal preferences getting away, our personal opinions, our likes, our desires, we miss out on that authority that God puts, puts in our life. We miss out on understanding the weight that they carry. Um, we criticize and we critique everything they say and do. We, we show no confidence in what they're doing. And then we, we take and we get upset and we run them off and we pr- take away their, their livelihood and we change their lives. And I kind of want to interject here because this is, this is critical for my generation specifically because cancel culture is such a huge thing right now. Yep. And it's all about this idea of we, we hold on to one thing that a person does incorrectly, especially leadership in the church. Yep. We take one thing and we run with it. Um, and it's a thing of, like you said earlier, like power, wanting to be right, thinking that we have that authority mm-hmm. to say so in the first place. And so I just kind of want to, you know, talk to to my people of, of any generation, really, the, of, with the cancel culture thing of like, we do not need to like hold on to the wrongdoings of other people. Like you said, there there are times and situations that warrant for a pastor to be let go of his position. But I think that we just have such a, a power crux that we want to fight for our opinions to be validated on things. And that's not biblical. Yeah. Now we've had some pastors ruin this for us. Absolutely. Right. We've had, we've had men and women who do stupid things. They steal, they cheat, they abuse, Mm -hmm. they, I mean, no doubt. doubt. And I'm not, I'm not standing up for that. No, absolutely not. Um, 
But frankly, that's pretty few and far between. Right. You know, like I said last week, man, the, the vast majority, the vast majority of pastors and leaders in the church are good. They love Jesus. They love the church. They love people. They sacrifice their life. They don't make money. They, they give away the little bit that they do make. And, and they do so much. And they are unheralded. They're unsung. Mm-hmm. And, and so the only thing we talk about are the, you know, the big celebrity things that happen and salacious information. And we tie that to every pastor. And, you know, it's just not fair. It's not accurate. And because I, th- I think about this, I think about these people who do so much, right? You get sick. You call a pastor. Mm-hmm. You go to the hospital. You call a pastor. You want them to come visit you uh, in the hospital. Someone dies. We're calling the pastor to show up to the house and and to do the funeral. Someone's you know gets engaged. We call the pastor to come and do the wedding and the premarital and to stand up for them and and to do all that. You know, I mean, we we have all these things. We uh, you get divorced. You, you, you call the pastor to help you navigate those difficult situations. You lose your job. You call the pastor and tell him, man, like, pray for us. And I don't know how we're going to afford to keep moving on and all these things. Like, there, so there's all these things in which we rely on our pastors to preach, to lead us. And that, I mean, all those things didn't even count on, for what we do on a weekly basis on a Sunday to right. prepare to lead and teach and preach. Mm-hmm. And so here's kind of the way that I have wrapped my head around this and Um, I I want you to hear this. I think that people want the benefit of a shepherd, but they don't want the consequences of a shepherd. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah. I I think that people want the benefit of a shepherd, but they don't want the consequences of a shepherd. Right? So again, I get sick. I, 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 I die. I get married, all that stuff. I'm I want the benefit of a pastor in my life to know me, to care for me, to show up for me. But I don't want the consequences of a pastor. Mm. When I'm in sin, I don't want him to call me and call me out. When I stop showing up, I don't want him to uh, show up on my doorstep and say, hey, what's going on? Where have you been? Uh, when when I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing, I don't want the correction of a, of a good shepherd. When I'm running wild and going crazy, I don't want a shepherd to actually come and say, oh, oh slow down, hang mm-hmm. out, chill out. So I think people want the benefits of a shepherd and a pastor in their life, but they actually do not want the consequences of it. And here's where I see that play out in just the culture of, of our faith right now. Anyways, um, it's the same thing with the, with, with Jesus. Like people want the benefit of a savior. They don't want to go to hell. They don't want an eternity burning and all that kind of stuff. They want someone to forgive them and reconcile them to God. They want the benefit of a savior, but they don't want the consequences of a Lord. Come on. They don't want someone to actually uh, lord over their life and tell them how they are to live, how they are to to walk, how are they are to uh, believe, how they are to live their daily life. They don't want the Lord uh, to to kind of hold them to those things. And so no wonder, no wonder people want the benefit of a Savior and don't want the consequences of a Lord. No wonder they don't want the, the, the consequences of a shepherd and only the benefits of a shepherd. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So with this idea of um, people, you know, the sheep not wanting the accountability and the correction, you know, the rod and the staff of, of the shepherd. Um, can you speak more into that? Like what you, what you mean by that on a deeper level? Yeah. I mean, listen, it is not fun and pleasant nope. to um, pull someone aside when they are openly sinning. Um, when it's clear that they are not walking with the Lord and yet they claim to be a believer mm-hmm. 
it's not fun. It's very difficult to pull someone aside and pastorally care for them and correct them. But it's a part of the mandate. It's a part, it's a part of what we're called to do. As a good shepherd, that's, I, 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 that's one of my favorite parts of Psalm 23. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm-hmm. They comfort me. So in the way of the Lord, the Lord brings us comfort from his leadership um, because the rod uh, gives us both direction and protection. So that's what the rod does. It points the way and, and clears the path for us to be able to know what he has for us, and he protects us from the enemy. The staff is kind of the long crooked end, uh, and it is meant for offering correction. And so what the scripture says for the Lord, for us, it's that the rod and the staff, they bring comfort to us. I'll tell you, man, one of the ways that, um, and this might be a little weird, but one of the, the most sweetest moments I've ever had with the Lord are in moments of correction where he's drawn me and shown me where I was wrong and led me to repentance. The Lord corrects those whom he loves. Absolutely. Psalm says that too. That's it. And so for, for us as leaders to do the same way, to, to give people good direction, to protect them uh, in and where and as we can, but at the same time to lovingly correct them. You know, you've heard me say this. One of the things that I truly believe, I truly, I believe this about, I believe this about God. I believe this about my, my role as, um, as a daddy. I believe this about my role as a pastor is that one of the greatest forms of love I can show someone is correction. Right. Like how, how unloving is it to watch someone you truly say you love and watch them run off the side of a mountain to their death? Mm. Okay. That's what happens with sheep. Right. Okay. Why would we not do the same with people we love to bring them back, to correct them so that they don't kill themselves. Right. And so for me, man, it's just such a critical piece to this understanding of the, the rod and the staff. They both bring us comfort. The Lord shows us this. I think this, this is true of us, um, for us as leaders. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the way I see, see that piece. Perfect. So just to bring some, some simple clarity to your stance on this, you say that pastors can and should be fired if they disqualify themselves. You just believe that a congregation or the sheep themselves shouldn't and can't be the one to do it. Yeah. So I'll give you a a real life example. Um, And this, I I actually will use names here because I think it, you know, it's public, it's out there. It's, you can do a quick Google search. You'll find all this. There's no gossip here. Um, So uh, I spent my first uh, ministry years on staff at New Spring Church um, based out of Anderson, South Carolina um, at the time and still is one of the largest churches in the country. Um, And in 2017, um, uh, very publicly and um, uh, very, man, this was uh, this was tough. Um, But we um, we dismissed our, our lead pastor, Perry Noble. Um, Perry was, um, walking through a season of dependence on alcohol and, Mm. um, at the, at the time, uh, was offered counseling and a a time of restoration, um, with his wife as well and, um, chose to not walk through that. And so, uh, the leaders, the overseers got together of the church. These are overseers outside the church, um, combined with, uh, elders inside of the church, local, local leaders and, um, believed that based on what the word of God says that he had disqualified himself. Sure. And so because of that, um, uh, they, they removed him and man, that was so hard. It was so hard. And in a lot of ways, you know, that situation to me is a prime example because this is a, a mega church. Perry is an incredible, 
incredible communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people came to New Spring Church because of Perry Noble, because he was such a good you know, communicator. And so what they did, though, was they took an incredible risk that, I mean, literally the church could crumble. The way I say it is, I mean, they willfully killed off the golden goose. Yeah. And they did it because they believed it was right. Mm. They believed that he was biblically disqualified and they made a difficult decision to remove him. And so like, you know, man, the church didn't get together and place a vote on it. Uh, there was a tough Sunday where we stood in front of the church and, and shared with them all that had been going on and uh, let them know that Perry had been removed and even shared a, a, a statement from Perry uh, it, during that time. And so so for me, I've seen it done well. And of course, the church took a hit, man. People left. People were upset. And um, But I can tell you today, um, because I'm still friends and connected to the leaders at New Spring Church, they are friends of mine. They still have influence in, in my life and, and authority in our lives. Uh, here at home church in a lot of ways. Um, but man, they've never been healthier. They've never been better. They've never been stronger and because they walked through a difficult season and they handled this moment of removing the shepherd the right way. But you and I have both seen it, um, where man, <laughs> a couple people get upset. We call an emergency meeting. The pastor's gone. And here's the thing that just nobody thinks about Maddie is nobody thinks about the family of the pastor. Absolutely. Nobody thinks about the wife of a pastor who's been faithful to a congregation for 17 years, the amount of uh, sacrifice that her and her, her children have made, the amount of times and meals and things that she's done, not getting paid a dime just because her husband's the pastor, all the things that she put up with and had to lead through. Um, you know, I, one of the things I think about is this with my family. So when Katie and I planted home church, like she and I knew what we were getting into, right? Uh, the good and the bad, like we signed up for it. But you know who did not sign up for this? Jackson, Jesse, and Josiah. Mm-hmm. They're not called to this. No. They didn't have a choice. We threw their butts in the car and drug them along. Like they we're like, hey, we're planting a church. Y'all are coming with. Uh, they didn't have a choice in this. And so for, um, you know, for someone to be navigating this for 17 years and to, uh, to watch their teenage son lose all of his friends. Man to feel completely displaced, to watch a, a wife try to lo- love her husband. And, you know, and, and now all of a sudden her community is gone. Like, man, how devastating. And then in a lot of situations, you know what else happens? Because a lot of situations is in smaller churches and pastors live in a parsonage. They're like, hey, bro, you got a week. Get your crap out of here. Yeah. So now we've taken away his livelihood. We've taken away his community and we've taken away his house. Full exile. Come on, man. This ain't right. Yeah. It's not right. And so it's it's disgusting. We see it happen in so many places. It does not need to happen this way. I don't believe that it's biblically the right way to go about taking care of and removing a shepherd. And, and it just ultimately, all it does is it creates division. It creates um, distance. It, it is a, a black eye on the bride because now all of a sudden in these small communities, there's all this gossip. And did you hear what happened to pastor so-and-so? Did you hear what you know he did? Did you hear what they said? And there's all this stuff. And all it is, is it's, it's a black eye to the bride. And so the reason that I feel like we, somebody has to speak up. And the reason that I think that, you know, even in a difficulty, there is some hope to be found 
is because my hope is that someone will hear this and there'll be a pastor in a church that's led this way and will help lead through change. Or someone who's maybe sitting in a congregation and, you know, they, the next time this starts to come up, will stand up and say, hey, hold, hold on. Mm-hmm. Hey, this ain't the right way. We need to think about this. This needs to, we need to consider something else here uh, and to maybe think about leading through it differently. So Absolutely. And I, I just want to hang out on this, this topic of being a spouse in ministry for a second. Yeah. Um, and just like truly champion Katie because man, what a rock star she is. I mean, she so effortlessly leads our entire kids ministry, like pours her heart and soul into that leads, leads your boys so well, like sets such a good example for so many families in our church of, of what that role looks like. And, and, you know, I just want to celebrate her for all that she yeah. is. She's incredible. And and listen, you know, we don't call her pastor. No. I mean, she doesn't carry a title around here. Um, she doesn't make a dime. Yeah. Um, but man, she gives a ton. And she is a blessing to me. Uh, she's a blessing to us. And and I just think about like what Katie would have to navigate, how how hurtful that would be for my wife to watch that happen to me. Yeah. To watch that happen to her, to then watch that happen to her children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beautiful thing is, Maddie, is that that'll never happen at home church. <laughs> right, <laughs> because, right, right. Uh, a, I, Lord willing, will never do anything to disqualify myself. Um, but also, our church polity won't 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 allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. We have overseers outside of our church who have the right and the authority, uh, both biblically and legally, to remove me. Uh, we have elders in our church who are walking alongside of me to help hold me accountable. Um, and we, so we have apparatus and mechanisms here at home church that will ensure that a couple of people who get upset with me, cause listen, you know me, I, I bring it like, we'll step on people's toes. We're going to preach truth. I've been known to say a thing or two that maybe I shouldn't say, and I have to come back and apologize. But I, I do that because I can preach boldly. I can preach, uh, faithfully to the best of my ability because I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to get fired. I'm not afraid to upset the wrong person, uh, who will try to, uh, band some people together and have me removed, uh, because it just ain't going to happen. And so, again, Lord willing, if I, I, I pray and, and I desire to never do anything to disqualify myself, um, there will never be a, a moment in a situation like that. And ultimately, you know, people say, well, what does that look like at home church? Do people not have a vote? And it's like, yeah, they, they for sure have a vote. Absolutely. Uh, they vote with their attendance and their service and their dollars. Right. You don't believe in me? You don't trust me. You don't. You don't want to follow me, as the scripture says. Awesome. You got to vote. You just can't vote me out of church. You you vote yourself out. So, it leads me then to ask um, because we, we've been talking the whole time about firing, uh, <laughs> firing shepherds, right? Oh, so, who can hire a pastor? Because I've seen most pastors are brought before the congregation. They preach, and then the church ultimately votes on if they want him to lead their flock. So if the sheep can't fire the shepherd, should they be the ones to hire him? Yeah, that's a great question. And as I've navigated this, like that's part of it, right? Inherently it's like, okay, so if they can't fire them, who, who hires them? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's an important question to, to this as well. And so in short, um, I don't believe that the sheep can fire the shepherd. And I also don't believe the sheep can hire the shepherd either. So there's this interesting thing that people do, right? So they um, they 
put out for resumes and a group of people in the church come together and they decide who they like the best and who they believe is called. And so then they bring him in and one Sunday they put him up there and let him preach. Usually it's a hip pocket message, his best, and it's rehearsed and it's awesome. And, you know, his kids look perfect. His wife is dressed to the nines and he preaches and they, you know, they preach in lieu of a call. Sure. And, um, People then, they send him home. Uh, they might do a lunch with him. Right. Or people can come and shake his hand and see if he's got a good firm handshake or mm-hmm. a dead fish. And uh, they talk to his wife. And if she's personal enough and the kids don't run crazy, they're like, they go back and they vote. And they're like, that's our dude. Yeah. You know? Wait, what? Where? Show me in scripture where that happens. Like, it just ain't it. Like, it's just not there. So um, the closest thing that we can find in scripture to, like, voting is in Acts. Uh, it's in Acts, right? So, again, this is where the apostles come together and, like, hey, we, we got to, like, choose some people here to, like, take over. And they cast lots. The vote They vote. But as the apostles, it was the overseers who were doing the decision making. That's the important piece. That's the important piece, right? And so, so for me, it's like, is there a decision? Is there maybe a, a collective agreement on, on, yeah, but it's the people who God put the authority in their hands. And this was the apostles. And, and then ultimately he gave some of that to, to Paul as well, because he showed up in Paul's life and um, he was, he was an apostle as well. And so what does that look like? So I even had... And talking with this, I talked to another pastor. He's like, yo, that sounds a lot like the Catholic church. And I'm like, hey, man, what can I say? Listen, I don't believe in everything that they do is right. But sometimes they got some things right. And so ultimately having, and I know now some people oh, are really man. upset. What, my dude, he's turning into a Catholic over here? No, and, no. No, uh-uh. But in the way of church polity, at the end of the day, there does have to be someone who carries the weight and the authority to help lay hands on and deem approved, deem qualified, and to then give the opportunity for someone to lead in a local church. Yeah. I believe that that happens from outside of the church um, by an overseer who places an an elder and a pastor based on their qualifications and based on their belief uh, that he um, is called and qualified to lead people. And so um, what, what does that practically look like, man? Well, first of all, (laughs) um, I, this is where I think denominations are helpful. Yeah. Now, if you know me, and we haven't talked about this on the pod, but I don't love denominations. Home church is not a part of a denomination. But this is where denominations can be helpful, right? Because they have some outside viewpoint, some outside perspective where they can help uh, give some uh, insight and, and have some of that authority um, to follow up and make sure someone is qualified and then ultimately place them and uh, allow them to lead, but also, Maddie, to hold them accountable. Yeah. Right? So this is the other part of that. There is a balance here. There is this ebb and flow of calling and qualification and accountability that all have to be um, brought together, but someone has to do it. And by the way, it ain't the sheet. Absolutely. And this has been an incredible conversation. And for those of you listening, we we're praying fervently over you that, that you would receive this with an open spirit and that the spirit would minister to you through this conversation. I mean, maybe you are embedded in this, this church tradition where you've grown up this way. And and we really hope that this has, has brought some enlightenment to you um, and that you would dig deeper from this conversation ultimately. Um, but I think that that's going to wrap up the time that we have for today. Um, and 
like Pastor Kenny said, we are always open to discussion. We would love to engage in conversation with you. Um, and we would love to minister to you in any way that, that we possibly can. So if you need prayer on this topic or anything else, we would love to engage with you. There are several ways that you can reach out to us. Um, you can send us an email at hello at myhomechurch.cc. And you can also reach out to Pastor Kenny directly on Instagram at Kenny Mills. That's K-E-N-N-Y-M-L-Z. And man, we said we were going to have authentic conversation and say the quiet part out loud. And I'm sure that this one is going to do it. I have no doubt. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for today's episode. Do us a huge favor again. Take a minute and rate and review the podcast. Subscribe and share where you can. This helps us move the platform up for more people to find it easier and ultimately to share the word of Christ with all who listen. So for Pastor Kenny, my name's Maddie. Until next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.